I'm your host, DJ Fides. How's everything going? I guess the big news this week is I got my second shot, vaccination shot. Vaccination shots, that's what they're called, right? I got my second one, second Moderna. Uh, I was very weak and tired for a day, but nothing else in the way of side effects, which was nice because some people were trying very hard to terrify me. Uh, I have one uh, one good friend in particular who had a lot, who kind of didn't believe when I said I wasn't having uh, any real side effects, and I think she wanted me to to get sicker than she did from her shot is the impression I get, which is weird, but the pandemic makes monsters of us all. Um, I will probably talk more about that next week because I'm still kind of processing what it means to be vaccinated and have things sort of within reach. Although, you know, societally, there are still a lot of things that, that aren't. There's a, like I said, I'm processing it, so I will maybe talk about that next week because I, I have mostly dumb stuff to talk about this week. Uh, and I think I want to get into Godzilla versus Kong. And that, that's not first up. I'm saving it for the back half because I know I know where my bread is, bread is buttered. You want to bring in people, you tease them with the giant monster fight movie. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that, okay? Uh, I'll start out with some quick TV talk. And uh, the first thing that I I wanted to mention was the the uh, the Marvel series Falcon and the Winter Soldier finished uh, with yesterday's new episode, and I thought on the whole it was it was very good. It was a show I didn't. My expectations were kind of tempered because I liked WandaVision a lot, but it was so it was so weird and different. And this sort of looked like the kind of things they do in the movies, but on a TV budget. And first off, it it looks it looks great. I don't know what kind of money Marvel's sinking into their TV shows, but holy smokes, those I've talked about the terrible effects in the CW DC shows. Uh, that's not happening here. They look great. Uh, and it it was not as... It wasn't what I expected. I was expecting something a little more militaristic, uh, which is kind of my least favorite of the Marvel Universe stuff. But uh, it really didn't go that direction. And it did a lot of interesting things with bringing in uh, John Walker, the replacement Captain America from When I Was But a Boy. And doing some kind of kind of pointed political commentary that was very surprising in a billion dollar franchise uh, coming from a company that's not exactly known for nuance. Uh, Disney in specific is who I'm referring to. Uh, but I really I really enjoyed it. It had a lot of interesting stuff in there uh, and I feel like it sets up about three more shows down the line. Uh, they've already announced they're doing another Captain America movie, and even knowing that is kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen the series yet. But look, we got to be able to talk, right? 
uh, and there's some very, they do some cool stuff with Zemo, who is sort of a minor character in Civil War that everybody was a little disappointed by because he has kind of a comic pedigree, uh, which makes it sound like he has training as a comedian, but he's a, he's a, like, he's Captain America's number two villain in the comics and in the Civil War, he's just kind of a manipulative guy who's sad about his family dying. And they really put him to good use here and certainly made it seem like they're going to do something with him in the future. And I am on board for that because I think it was a very fun performance. Uh, the trailers for the season showed him putting on his, his purple Baron Zemo mask from the comics. And he, in the show, he picked it up off the seat of a car but he never put it on, so I don't know if something was changed. Uh, I was told that there was stuff about a pandemic as it was originally written, and then when it was put on hold because of an actual pandemic, they, they tweaked that. Uh, so that might have been something that got put off. But seeing that, uh, you know, just thinking about Zemo in general being kind of a they're doing a good job with the bad guys on the TV shows. Even the Netflix shows really made sort of a, you know, like David Tennant as Kilgrave, one of the best best villains they've done. Uh, but, you know, I was enjoying Zemo so much, and I was, it reminded me of when I was a, when I was uh, just a boy, uh, reading Captain America comics, and, uh, you know, let me go a little further back to when I was a smaller boy. Because when I was a... I mean, you could pretty much point to any point of my boyhood and find me reading comics. But when I was very young, I would sometimes get these... They were comics that had like a... a uh, like a 45 record in the back. And you would put... You would play the record and it would be a dramatized reading of the comic... And I guess you'd read along with it. It's sort of weird that it, you had both the video and, I mean, not video, but it was a comic with words printed in it. So you could read it or look at the pictures with the words and still have them read to you. It was a weird concept. And these would just sort of be almost random issues of the comics. They'd just pick something, they'd grab an issue of Captain America... Uh, little golden book or whoever would reprint it with this record and I had several of them and uh, there were there were some weird choices like they you know they had to be things that were like complete in one issue because they weren't going to publish a whole series of little golden book with records of uh, the Hulk and that was much weirder on Marvel stuff because that had a lot of subplots. So, the you know, the Captain America one that I'll talk about shortly had definitely had like a page of him thinking about people who weren't in the comic and just trying to figure out a relationship, which as a child was both riveting to read and to hear. Uh, and it, some of the choices were very weird. Like the... The Batman one I had was a, I think it was the first Man Bat, which, you know, is kind of a classic. It's got that cool Neil Adams art. But it was absolutely terrifying to me as a child because in my mind, they really went all out with the audio design and made a man-sized bat sound terrifying. 
and I'm sure probably they didn't, and that's just how it hit me as a, as a five-year-old. Uh, I also have a very clear memory of, of somebody's, somebody's line reading on the record. I remember somebody going, that thing isn't Langstrom anymore. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, that is burrowed so deep into my brain and I didn't, I didn't put words to it until just now. Uh, and there was a, one of the ones I had was Man-Thing, who was sort of a swamp monster who, he didn't speak or have any real form of sentience besides walking around, so his comics were always sort of these little morality favors, fables, but in sort of a, a horror genre, and generally not appropriate for kids, and definitely the one I had was about a clown who went into Man-Thing's swamp to kill himself, and he does. He shoots himself, and then... I don't remember what happened. I know the last page is a clown in a swamp dead by his own hand. I don't think I ever even listened to the record for that. <laughs> but uh, pertinent to this discussion was the I had one of Captain America, and it was Captain America and Falcon, and there was a villain named Phoenix, who was the son of Captain America's World War II villain, Baron Zemo. And he gets knocked into a vat of chemicals because that's what happens to villains. And I bring this up because that was the first appearance of the character who would become Zemo in the, who would become the later Baron Zemo in the comics and also the inspiration for the, the character in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But what it, what it, this really made me think about was, uh, like, so I knew his backstory, even though it was from, before I was really old enough to read, because I had that weird reprint with a record. Uh, I, re I remember Falcon having a funny voice, and I can't quite place it, but there was a very funny line delivery. Uh, but, you know, years later, maybe like four years later, I mean, I was still, I was still a child. It felt like a long time later. Ah, this new Baron Zemo comes and it's, you know, it's the guy who was Phoenix, blah, blah, blah. But as a result of getting knocked into Adhesive X, which was a glue, so it shouldn't have been that nearly as deadly as getting knocked into acid, but let's go with it. His, like, his face melted. And the first time he pulls off his purple Zemo mask, which is the thing I was talking about earlier, there is a full page of his melted face that terrified the hell out of me as a child it was i have not gone back and look at it looked at it but i remember it was lovingly rendered like it was not a half-assed oh look his face melted there was no skin it looked like his brains were on the outside of his face it was gross all hamburgery it was terrifying uh and that was during the period where i was very into captain america so i kept rereading this there's a story I really liked, and going back now, I realize it was written by J.M.D. Mateus, who later went on to write, uh, co-write my favorite comic series of all time, which will probably be an episode at some point, if my friend Tim has anything to say about it. Uh, but I really responded to it as a kid, and there was some stuff in there that didn't track with me until I was older. I kind of want to read it now and see if it, see what I didn't catch before, but like there was this whole idea that like, Captain America's whole supporting cast at the time was Jewish, which was a cool thing to do, but it also 
was this really good illustration of uh, of uh, putting your loved ones in danger because literally all of his villains are Nazis. And that was very upsetting then and now, but I seem to remember it being good. I was a child, but uh, uh, but the point is that Baron, Baron Zemo's melted face was maybe the most terrifying image of the first 30 years of my life. And I can still see it vividly. And I was so frightened of it as a child. I kept, I would read that comic over and over because I, it was good and exciting. But that last page bothered me so much. And before I went to bed, that comic had to be underneath heavy books just so Baron Zemo couldn't climb out of it when I was asleep. <laughs> there were a couple of, uh, of characters that, that did that to me. Two-Face was another one of them, so clearly melted faces were an issue for me. <laughs> Although, it, I guess it would be more worrisome if they weren't. Like, if I'd, been, if I'd been a small child and all my favorite characters had faces melted by acid. <laughs> or adhesive X. Uh, but it's weird how this, this thing could stick with you. I remember that. Uh, I'm going to have to try to find the image online and put it on my social media. So if you want to be retroactively horrified as a child, uh, you can see Zemo's melty hamburger face. Uh, I bet Mike Zeck drew it. I don't remember for sure, but I think he was the Captain America artist then. Um, and he did weird stuff with lighting, so sometimes it looked like Captain Captain America had a mustache and it was just a shadow, but so why confuse a child? Mike Zack. Why? <laughs> God, that messed me up. Um, I talked about that for longer than I intended, but I didn't, I thought I was going to be short today, so I put out a, a call on social media if anybody had a mailbag question, and as it turns out, I had one it, it turns out the internet as an entity is not super invested in this podcast. But uh, nonetheless, I got a question from my friend Sean, my high school friend Sean. I know two Seans. And I've got so many double names in my circle, despite it being a very small circle. Um, it's, it's a problem. Uh, I think that's why as I've gotten older, I've I've gravitated towards friends with more unusual names uh, to make things easier. I mean, yeah, fine. I'm going to know multiple Beckys. That's unavoidable. You know, yeah, there's a couple of Rachels in the mix. Fine. I mean, how, how do you prevent that? You don't. It's America in 2021. There, there's Rachels out there. Uh, but, you know, you're, how many Lanas am I going to meet in my life? my guess is is not more than the one right you know how many how many you know how many summers there are the the one i know and like the reporter from batman the animated series summer gleason which uh here's a here's a behind the scenes uh thing of the of my scripted podcast that we're going to be able to start recording pretty soon i think because most of my friends have been vaccinated and we will be allowed to be in the same room, and I can make them say my dumb words. But uh, I had a character who was going to be a reporter and then became something else, but I couldn't think of a name, and I really like Batman the Animated Series, so I named her after 
the character created for that show, uh, Summer Gleason, and I changed the last name, and I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but, uh, so then I had a, I had a friend with that name, so obviously she has to do that voice, right? It makes sense. I usually try to not name characters after people I know, and this just happened in the wrong order. Look, that's a sneak preview of the thing I'm writing, the thing I've been writing. I read that pilot so long ago, back when I thought it could be a TV show. I still think it can be a TV show, but the problem is nobody in TV thinks that. This has gone off on a tangent uh, about people with similar names. Uh, but Sean had a question for me, and his question was, my, what is my favorite video game pre-2000 and why? And I don't know why he picked uh, uh, 2000 as the cutoff. I assume it's so he didn't have to hear me talk about Saints Row the Third at length. Uh, but it's an it's an interesting demarcation because kind of before that time, video games were a more social experience for me. Like I had video game friends, and my my brother and sister were involved in a lot of of gameplay. And after that, it became more of a <laughs> more more of a lonely man activity. No, it just became more of a, I need video game friends is the thing. So I've been trying to think of my my favorite, and he did say favorite, not the best, because I those are two different discussions. Uh, and a lot of the ones I thought of were really keyed into specific times in my life uh, and sharing them with people. Uh, Super Mario 3 was a very big one in my house. Uh, so it was Mega Man 2. Uh, my sister and I really enjoyed uh, like Maniac Mansion and Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, the, the LucasArts games, which were super fun and way too complicated for young people to figure out, but we eventually did. I bought a hint. I know I bought a hint book for Maniac Mansion, but I think uh, I think Question Asker Sean actually helped me crack the uh, like he drew maps for Zack McCracken. It was amazing. Uh, Oh, hey, I just, I just remembered this. He'll be thrilled I bring it up. Uh, uh, high school Sean went to his house when I was in freshman in high school. That's where we met. In high school, not at his house. Uh, first Playboy I ever saw at Sean's house. And thinking about it, it was probably also the last Playboy I ever saw. Huh, that might actually, that might literally be true. Holy smokes. I'd have to sit down and think about that now, but uh, that was that's that's a fun fact about high school EJ. <laughs> I was never duplicit enough to gain access to magazines of naked ladies when I was too young for them, and by the time I was old enough, you sort of go, "Yeah, that's that's like creep material." Uh, yeah, but uh. Um, my brother and sister and I were very into Final Fantasy 2 and especially 3. Uh, I know I almost failed a marketing course in college because I missed so many classes since that was the last class of the day. And if I skipped it, I could get in an extra 40 minutes of Final Fantasy 3 before I had to be at work. And I would just use that time to go and grind levels in that one forest where only dinosaurs fight you. And you get a ridiculous amount of experience for them, especially if you use Vanish and then uh, X-Zone, which gave it a 100% hit rate. 
look, we could talk about Final Fantasy three all day, and one of these days we will. Uh, you know, in the arcades, this was the Street Fighter two was huge for me at this time. Uh, and I remember going to the, the Fun Factory with my friends Tim and Brian, neither of whom are my friends now. It's very sad. Um, I mean, they've chosen not to be. It's not sad for them, I guess. Uh, and we really liked those, like those four-player fighting games where usually they were licensed, like the Simpsons or the X-Men, and you just plow through wave after wave of bad guys, which was especially weird with the Simpsons. Uh, famously not an action-driven show. Combat-driven, especially. <laughs> um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of... But the, the game that really sticks out to me, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I think it came out when I was in high school, and it's kind of the... Like, it's a game that's so good, I didn't play any more Zelda games until Breath of the Wild, because I'm like, oh, they're not going to get better than this. Just in terms of the execution and all the new mechanics it introduced. And it was such kind of a sprawling game that even though I played it a lot, you, I would sometimes just start a new game after I finished it because there was so much that I didn't remember everything beat for beat. You know, I didn't necessarily remember how you got that, you know, that the boomerang. You know, I didn't remember you had to go to the dark world, whatever. I don't. I don't remember the specifics right now. It's been a very long time. I played a little bit of it on that uh, Super NES Classic they put out a while ago, but I do not have 60 hours to play games for my youth anymore. Although, you know, what else am I doing? But I'm going to say it's A Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. And I have very clear memories of playing that game obsessively while I waited for the girl I liked to call me back. And that so rarely happened, so I got in a lot of Zelda time. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a sad teenager, uh, which you can probably tell from everything about me, but, uh, still, that was, that was my comfort. That was the thing I had the most fun playing. I'm going to say Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past. Bravo, Zelda. Uh, so here's, here's what I wanted to talk about. And I, like I said, saved it for the back half is Godzilla versus Kong. The movie that was supposed to be in theaters, but it came out on HBO Max. And I do not understand that strategy because just wait till theaters are open and people go. I don't know what money you necessarily make off of putting it on HBO Max because I don't see it driving subscribers. Like you're not going to get 20 million new subscribers to HBO Max to justify the cost of the movie. Uh, but here's the thing. It's a movie that is both very bad and I enjoyed it a lot. And it's kind of like the previous Godzilla movies of the last few years, which have been bad and flawed, but also very fun uh, and dumb in the ways that I enjoy. And it's also a follow-up to Kong Skull Island, which I think is legitimately great. Like, if you haven't seen that movie, check it out. It's... The fun thing they do is most of the the cast of people who go to this go to the King Kong Island in the 70s are there's a lot of comedians in there. Like Mark Evan Jackson and Eugene Cordero, uh, and then John C. Riley is on the island and uh, he actually has a jacket that says for your health on the back. It's amazing. 
So, like, the, the whole cast is comedians and people from Marvel movies, because you also get, uh, you get Loki and Captain Marvel and Nick Fury in there. And I think this was before we knew Brie Larson was going to be Captain Marvel, but that's retroactively, that's who she is in all of her movies. Uh, but yeah, I legitimately love Skull Island. Uh, the Godzilla movies have been dumb, but, but very fun. And this was also dumb in, in ways that bothered me a little more. And partly, I think, because I watched it at home, so I'm not as dialed in. But the Godzilla movies, they keep thinking they, that we care about these. They're going to put people in it, and they'll help advance the plot, and that'll be important. And it's really, we every time Godzilla's not on screen, we just want Godzilla to come back. We don't really care about Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown. We don't. It's, I resent that they tried to make us care in two movies, because they're back for this one. Uh, but, and this one does a lot of that, and it wastes a lot of excellent actors, like, uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry is in it from Atlanta, and he just gets nothing. Lance Reddick for The Wire is maybe one of the best actors, has maybe two lines. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Damien Bashir is just kind of in it. It's, it's very weird what they've chosen to do. Uh, I should note also there is a, the kid from Deadpool 2, who in that movie I thought was a terrible actor, is in this and bothers me so much, but I, I have not seen Hunt for the Wilder People, but everybody says he's great in it, so I maybe shouldn't judge him. And also, like the, the lead of the movie maybe, she might be first billed, uh, is Rebecca Hall, who... I am always resentful towards her because I get her and Rebecca Ferguson confused. I can't remember which is which. And Rebecca Ferguson's the one in the Mission Impossible movies, and she's great. Every time she's in a movie, I'm excited for Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Hall, I mean, she's fine. She's just not Rebecca Ferguson. Look, problem with similar names. I realize Hall and Ferguson aren't similar, but it's, it's difficult to keep track. I know a lot of names. And, uh... But the, the problem is that they have, like, they think we need so much exposition for why a monkey and a, and a lizard are going to fight. And then they don't deliver on that exposition, despite making us watch many, many scenes of people uh, trying to figure out the plot of the movie. And then they, they leave it, like, one or two steps short, and you can... You know, you can use deductive reasoning to put it together, but they walk you right up to it and then sort of back off. It's like, then why, why did we have to see any of this? If I have to put it together for myself that they're, you know, the reason Godzilla is acting up is because they're, they're using King Ghidorah's skull to power the Mecha Godzilla. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, then, then why spend that much time... Uh, having characters almost learn that and then not actually get to it. So it's it's the double sin of too much exposition, but then also not completing the... So it's, it's all useless. All the scenes with people are useless. 
Like at the beginning, Kong is on Skull Island, but then he throws a tree at the sky and it shatters because there's a big dome. And there's not really much explanation given as to how they managed to put a dome over an entire island and why only one deaf child lives, on, lives there with him. And what entity domed off an island? Because it's alternately the military and a private contractor. Uh, and, and this sort of loopy storytelling, there's things like, it is just established cold that the earth is hollow and has teleportation and weird gravity things. And they don't, they could just have that be a, like an insane thing where you go, what the hell? Or they could have a reason for it and they sort of try to split the difference and that makes makes it the least fun way to do that uh but it also means there are some just genuinely insane things that happen that they that sometimes the the half-assed exposition works when it's a legitimately stupid idea like at one point, King Kong has a Kong. They don't call him King Kong in this because that's a copyright thing. Uh, he has like a, a, an immense axe. Like Kong has to be a thousand feet tall in this movie, and the axe is fully half his height. And but the blade of the axe is one of Godzilla's scales. And the idea of Kong using a tool is very funny, and also hitting Godzilla with part of his own body. Like if you want if you want to injure me, you definitely make a knife out of one of my severed fingers. My fingers are the only thing that can penetrate my thick hide. <laughs> it's silly, uh, but the the fights are very fun, especially because uh, like in the in the in destroy all monsters, not destroy what is it Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, like, so many of them have, like, energy mouths. <laughs> energy mouths. That's, that's not what they call that. They shoot fire from out of their mouths or their eyes. Or some kind of distance weapon. And Kong doesn't have that. So he's just straight up punching Godzilla like a drunk guy. And that's very funny. It's... Like, it's a... It looks like a fight fight because there's a physical aspect to it. Uh... It's also very funny to me that the early in the movie, Godzilla just destroys this huge research facility on an island. Like he's knocking over buildings and planes are shooting missiles at him and he's swatting the missiles away and they're flying into buildings and exploding. And then it cuts to a news report where Godzilla attacks eight dead. <laughs> wow, eight. And, and then this means they're acting like, well, Godzilla's turned on humanity now. He's a threat. In the previous movie where he was defending Earth, he destroyed Boston. Like, that's the climax of the movie, is Boston is destroyed. It's a smoking crater at the end of the movie. But now that now that he's killed eight people, we... we <laughs> I enjoyed that part a lot. Uh... I talked about the, the axe, which also can draw energy from the earth. And it seems like if Godzilla's scales can do that, Godzilla should be doing that all the time. 
uh, and just be unstoppable. And uh, also, uh, there's a guy building a Mecha Godzilla to fight Godzilla. And so that means Godzilla gets to fight a robot, and then he and Kong both fight a robot. But at one point, Kong is basically dead, and they have to defibrillate him using a flying car. <laughs> it is a movie that, that just bounces from incredibly boring to delightfully bonkers uh, in a way that I think is very off-putting to most people. But when they do something so legitimately crazy as King Kong and his Godzilla scale acts, it's like, all right, I'll sit through a lot of boring stuff about kids trying to find out where they're, where the, where the Godzilla podcast is being recorded. Oh yeah, Brian Tyree Henry is a podcaster, and the the kid I don't like from Deadpool too is like his whole purpose in the movie is to be a hacker and they have this set piece where he's supposed to hack Mechagodzilla and then he can't do it. Like the one thing he's in the movie to do is he fails at this. You could just have cut that subplot because it doesn't matter. God, it's a it's a weird movie and I'm they're not nearly as successful as they need to be, but I'm glad they're still making these dumb Godzilla movies because they're like, I mean, if somebody could make a, a good one, I'd be excited, but these are, these hit just the right level of enjoyably stupid for me. So I guess I recommend Godzilla vs. Kong, but I think it's off of HBO Max now. So look, you, you blew it. Or you didn't. You may not have patience for two hours of that when you only get like maybe 18 minutes of monsters fighting. Uh, but, you know, if... Again, unless you can travel through time, you can't watch it for free on HBO Max anymore. So, look, I dropped the ball, but I didn't watch it until last Sunday. Which maybe tells you how much enthusiasm I really had. Uh, but... If they want to use the poll quote on the Blu-ray release, uh, uh, Pleasantly Stupid, E.J. Fettis, sure, go for it. It's it's better than when they put out Blade Runner 2049 on Blu-ray, and the, the poll quote on the back said, <laughs> doesn't depend on having seen the original. So... <laughs> The praise for it is you don't have to watch another movie first. And also, that was a false statement because it definitely depended on having seen the original. If you hadn't seen it, that second Blade Runner movie is incomprehensible. It doesn't depend on having seen the original. Hey, that's our pull quote. Great. Um, and while I am opposed to the, I think what Warner Brothers is doing with the HBO Max releases is going to make it harder for movie theaters, which are already, uh, let's be honest, going to have a hard time coming back from this. And I'm, I'm very worried that it won't, it's going to be a very different environment once we come out of this. But that said, uh, I am going to watch the new Mortal Kombat movie, which I would absolutely not have paid to see in a theater under any circumstances, because it looks like it'll be fun to talk about. Uh, because it's it's a karate movie based on the 
weirdest fighting video game of all time. I don't even especially like Mortal Kombat, the franchise. I played the first game a lot because it came out when I was just the right age to play a violent video game. And I could drive and go to an arcade or show up at a movie two hours early because what else was I going to do but play Mortal Kombat. But it was never super fun to play. And I kind of dipped out of it after the first one. So I know there's an absolutely insane level of lore to it. Because, I mean, it's all about these fighting tournaments every few years where the same people show up, even though they clearly murder each other in between movies. In between movies. During the games. I mean, that's how you get to the end, is you, you murder everybody else. So I don't know how. Uh, and I'm not going to learn. but I, So I know just enough about it that I can... I will probably know the major characters in the movie and then be baffled by everything they say and do, except when they're tearing each other's spines out. Uh, that said, I don't even know if it's R-rated. It might be PG-13 and no spines get ripped out. Boy, that'd be a disappointment. Everybody's spines stay in. That's when a movie's failed. All your great movies have at least one spine leaving the body. Uh, Whiplash, first one that comes to mind. So that's where we stand with movies, guys. This episode has run long and I didn't think I had anything to say. And here I am saying it. Uh, obviously, before I go, I have to have to plug our, our wonderful sponsor, TeesBySummer.com. Uh, if you are listening to this the week of release, you still have a few days to get free shipping and 20% off certain designs, including That's Chunky, my favorite or maybe second favorite shirt ever. Uh, if it's second favorite, it's only because the Ape Hive has eclipsed it because that is is uh my website and i love it dearly uh speaking of uh the ape hive is not quite functional yet uh the person doing uh the programming has come up with a nice new design that's going to move some things around and i think will be much more functional and uh here's the problem is i don't know anything so uh when she she asks what i would like I I answer it, but I, I don't know if what I'm if my answer is something that's impossible or something that's easy. And I wish I knew because I would not knowingly ask for something impossible. I am not I'm not a, a picky man in that sense. I would ask for something easy because I don't want anyone to put themselves out. But uh, I don't know what I'm doing, so all I can be is me. Uh, I have gotten badly off topic, which is teasedbysummer.com. Uh, new design this week, uh, another sort of Shepherd Fairy style, uh, Kurt Cobain, which I thought was very striking. Uh, I know there's, you've seen a lot of people kind of do that, the, the Obama hope style. You saw it a lot more during his administration when we still had hope. And now we're all just sort of grinding out our last days on this planet. But this is, and I always have to be careful how I talk about art because I don't know that many words, but it's the, maybe the best use of that style I've seen outside of the original. Like it, it looks right. Like so many of the people who've done, done riffs on that, like, 
<coughs> I am not going to edit out that cough. I'm tired. Uh, so many people who do that, it doesn't look right. Like the the imagery isn't doesn't lend itself to the to the design or the color balance is off. Uh, it may be something extremely technical that there's no way for me to really be able to to verbalize it or even know what I'm looking at it, but just still respond to it. Uh, but uh, she she does this, she does that better than anybody in the business. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, and that's in addition to all the great designs from the last couple of weeks. The the soup for my family shirt, the uh, the spice girls, which is still very funny. And I did wear that, and uh, on one of the rare occasions when somebody could see me briefly, and uh, a stranger thought it was very funny. So that was gratifying. And probably more for her than for me. And I don't think I remember to tell her that, but <laughs> this is how she finds out that a stranger liked her shirt. Uh, the Stanzo Fedoras, which is just an amazing... Uh, and the the uh, one of the I think you should leave meme accounts on Instagram added it to showed it on their Instagram story today, which was very exciting. Uh, uh, and, and you know obviously the the Apive shirt, which I have been wearing so much. That's what I was wearing when I got vaccinated, and I was hoping somebody would ask me about it. But they are just processing a whole line of people who are who you know have varying degrees of nervousness about needles. Uh, so they don't have a, what do you call it, a huge amount of time to really focus on my shirt, which is a shame, but I looked very cool in it. I love that shirt. I love that ape. Uh, his big hairy arms, which I didn't realize until, uh, until I saw the shirt in person because the PDF I saw was, was smaller, so I couldn't see that detail. He's a big hairy boy, and it's so funny. Uh, it's all tremendous. Uh, like I said, through the end of the through the end of April, free shipping, 20 percent off. Uh, some of the the older designs, it's a great deal. But even if you miss the deal, everything everything on there is great. Uh, it's so just well thought out and clever and just awesome. I will be happy to talk about these shirts every week for the rest of my podcasting life. So easy, three four more weeks. And I guess that is all I have to say then. Uh, no pauses before or after the break, uh, because I have nothing to drink right now, and my throat is actually getting dry. Uh, next week, I'll probably talk to you about the Mortal Kombat movie, unless I don't understand it enough to say things, which is likely. Uh, the only character I can definitely remember, I remember Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and they have the same clothes, but in different colors. Uh, and one of them is a skeleton under his mask, and the other one makes ice. That's the extent of what I can remember about Mortal Kombat, although I'll probably see characters and go, oh yeah, it's Blob, Blobfuss. I don't think there's a character by that name, but once I see somebody, I'll probably go, oh, I remember him. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about uh, getting vaccinated and my new thoughts, because it's really... I don't know. It it, it kind of hits you weird just to think about after all this. After this last year, it's suddenly it's something has changed for the first time in forever. 
Uh, but that'll be next week. This week, I was much too busy talking about video games from the 1990s and also a movie I half enjoyed. <laughs> Seems like a good use of everybody's time, right? Um, well, thanks for listening. Uh, you can email me at fedtalks at yahoo.com, uh, Twitter at ejfedis, uh, Instagram ej underscore Pettis, I think. I can't guarantee it, but look around. You'll find me. Uh, I'll try to post the Baron Zemo picture. If you have mailbag questions, send them to me, and that way I'll have some extra things to talk about without uh, uh, having to write down a bunch of notes beforehand, which I used to do, and I've been forgetting because I am tired. Uh, I guess that's all. I hope I hope it didn't sound weird this week. I had to do something different with the microphone because I had a little bit of a disaster. Uh, everything's falling apart here. This might be my longest episode to date. I could probably edit out some pauses and get it into the level I'd like it to be. But I don't know. I'm recording this a day late already, and I'm I'm already tired. I'm, I got nothing. I'm so bad at ending shows. Goodbye. I'll see you next week. Fed Talks is a full voice production. Wah, 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 wah.